Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or just so happen to find this recording, and welcome to the Marvel Men Podcast, where a bunch of us nerds talk all things related to the MCU 24-7-365. I'm your host, Alex DiCarlo, joined by my co-host, Zach Benicillo. What up? And, of course, Tommy DeVito. Ew. And you're probably wondering what this episode is going to be about, because... Today, we are going to be giving our review for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Now, if you guys haven't seen the film, go pause this episode, go see the movie, then come back to this recording to see to hear our full review. Yeah, I'd say this is essential to face. It's not one of those things where you can just skip over. Like, I would recommend watching this. So anyway, so we're giving you this. This is your last call before we say spoil, spoil to start talking spoilers. You got three. Two, one. One. Here holes. we go. Holes. That's my answer. That's our first spoiler. Holes. And, and wait. Still here? I'm here. We're still okay. here. Some spoilers right now. Oh my goodness. So, where do we go from here, boys? Where do we go from here? Um, I guess we could just stop with the beginning of the movie, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. If we get to... It starts out like Scott post Endgame. Oh, he's doing pretty good. He's basically a celebrity. You know, by Ms. Marvel, he was on a podcast and he wrote a book looking up for the little guys, which, fun fact, they actually made it. In yeah, real life. it's uh, from what he said, courtesy of Ms. Marvel. He, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, wait, for a second, for a second there, time, I thought you froze for a second because, oh, uh, weird. But, anyways, um, as from what he said from before, um, courtesy of Ms. Marvel, Scott Lang has a podcast and He's been writing a book called Look Out for the Little Guy, which I can't believe they actually made that into a real book. I know. I'm going to have to read that. Because, like, like if Yeah, it, I'm just thinking now, where can we find that? I mean, well, I mean, they're selling it. I mean, it is available for pre-order. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess, like, when it comes out, I'll, I'll get a copy. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a book review on it. I mean, I hope one so. One day <laughs> when this comes out. We should. That's a good idea. I guess so. We'll put that in the pocket for later. She's now- of course, now for now for Hope, she's now the head of her father's company, now called Pim Van Dyne Industries. Good title, though. I agree. Cool. Which, and now we get to Cassie, and first of all, one, in case you've been living under a rock, Cassie is a completely different actress than in Endgame. Mm-hmm. As she's now you... played by Catherine Newton. In mm-hmm. Endgame, she was played by Emma Furman, was the actress's name, and... They never really stated why they recast the role. I think it had to do with the fact that, because in this movie, Cassie is 18, is turning 18. And in Endgame, we also know by the scene in the car that when Cassie says, oh, a B-man tried to kill me when I was six in my room, referring to the first Ant-Man movie, she was six mm-hmm. in that. You add three years for Ant-Man and the Wasp, because it takes us three years later, she's nine. Then Endgame happens, right? Because Infinity War happens at the same time as Ant Man and the Wasp. The time, five year time jump. We know Cassie was alive. That's how they age trip. You add five years to nine, you get 14. Cassie was supposed to be 14 in Endgame. And if you look at Emma Furman in that scene, she did not look 14. Jeez. She did not. Like, and from what I found. But, like, I, I don't know what the reason was. But, but yeah, so. Basically, it also means that if Cassie's turning 18, that means four years have gone by since Endgame. This movie takes place in 2027. Um, what was that you were trying to say, Tommy? I think I think you were cutting out a little bit. 
Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's a little glitchy episode. This movie takes place in the year 2027. Yeah, I actually, from what I've read, I think, uh, I think, I think it's a uh, place in the MCU timeline. It's actually 2025. Well, they're wrong though. It's 2027 because I just did the math for them. It's like that. The only way to to fix that would have they would have had Cassie had to have been eight for in the first one, but they confirmed she was six. So in the first Ant Man, so this is 2027. Yeah, but anyways, um, so. And- Scott bails Cassie out of jail because turns out she ended up repeating uh, her father's past again. So, well, she said she was arrested because she was protesting people that were homeless because of the blip. Hashtag damn you, Thanos. I think it was also more the fact that with Falcon, the Winter Soldier set up a little bit too, was the fact that like when the blip happened, half the universe populates, a bunch of homes become vacant. So people start moving in. Then all of a sudden, half the population comes back, and there are other people living in their homes. So it's like a matter of who owns the house, and like who gets to keep the property. So I guess that was a question too. Mm-hmm. So, so she also reveals she has a suit, which <gasps> Wait, a little bit what? of talking means. I'm not talking. This movie, we just jump right into it. Within like the first twenty minutes, mm-hmm. we find out that Cassie was during the blip. She was reading Hank Pym's journals. And trying to build a satellite to the quantum realm, trying to find her father. Which, how did she know she was in the quantum realm? She might would have been easier to believe that he was blipped. Yeah, that's that's also, weird. People were also pointing out that Cassie, like, how was she able to build this in a basement with just journals? Keep in mind, the MCU. We're talking about a world where Iron Tony Stark existed and had all this technology. A lot of the that was being released to the world. So she probably had a little more advanced technology on the street than anyone would have access to. Yeah. So, so basically after all, after all that, we now cut to the, uh, to the basement where Cassie was building the, the quantum realm satellite. And this gives Janet a much needed panic. She's like, no, no, no. Cause nope. she hasn't been talking about the quantum realm much when she had been out of it for four years. Technically nine, but she was blipped. Mm-hmm. But what, but what really got worse was Janet was like, you're sending a signal down to the quantum realm? She was like, nope, just turn it off, turn it off. We don't- Cutting to the opening of the movie, that. which was her seeing Kang. Oh, that's right. And and I will admit this when I say, Jonathan Majors, though, he was amazing as Kang. Oh, I agree. He was perfect casting as Kang. Like, I just love how- he can go from one moment being like all funny and cheerful and, and like charismatic as he was like as he who remains in Loki. But then the next second he can instantly change to probably one of the most menacing villains Marvel has seen in an instant. Like, Oh, what about your existence? Like you are nothing. Yeah. That I can pretty much say that. So he's a great, so it actor, turns out actually. the signal was already sent and all five of them, Hank, Janet, Cassie, Hope and Scott, they all get sucked into the quantum well, realm. Well, technically, actually, Cassie... Well, actually, no, um, Hank and Janet get sucked in. Hope lets go and puts on her suit and goes in after them. Cassie then gets sucked in, and then Scott yes. kind of goes in after her. And then they end up in different areas, which also makes you wonder, if Cassie had her suit with her, why didn't she put it on? Because we, hmm. so we got that cool scene of, like, Scott having to grow to catch her. That was pretty cool, but, like, you think, 
you have a suit, put it on. Like you even wear it later in the movie. So like, why why didn't you put it on? And I'm surprised that they never mentioned uh, Cassie's uh, superhero name, but but I think they Same. said. But I think, but I think from what uh, the MCU is stating, she's actually taking on the form of stature. Yes, even though the suit was cl- more resemblance to Stinger, because she's both in the comics. Cassie's both stature and st- Stinger. It, they can do whatever they want because, like, in we you know for the Marvels, Monica's taking up the name Photon. Ah, in the comics, she's both Photon and Spectrum, but she was leaning more towards Spectrum. Anyway, so yeah, they're in the quantum realm. They're all split up. Janet is like not happy to be back there. Yeah, because sooner or later, because uh, she knows what's coming. Have, yeah, she knows Janet's what's going to have to reveal some secrets. Which I'm not going to lie. Also, the quantum realm looked beautiful, by the way. Like mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I will say. Is, yeah, I will say to this. Though, actually, Zacha, you were going to say. I, I truly agree with you, but there's some things that looked way, way. Um, well, it yeah, it is like a trippy universe. That's the thing. It's like right, a- there's one thing that I may not enjoy. It's the Modok being the Modok CGI face. Ugh, yeah, yeah well, I, I think I agree. I, I agree with you on that one, buddy. It but, looked weird. The- which I guess we'll get to Modok now. Yeah. So and now, of course, be prepared. Now, spoiler alert: Modok, <laughs> the mechanism, or mechanical. Well, or mechanical, mechanical organism, organism designed, designed only for killing. killing turns Instead, out to be none other than Darren Cross, formerly known as Yellow Jacket. And if you listen to our, they, I can't believe they actually got him back. And if you listen to our last episode, our Phase Five overview, I flat out called it exactly how he became Modok. Yeah, um, I, I perfectly called it like. Just watch now, Marvel Studios. They're gonna listen to that, and then they're gonna email me, being something like, "Hey, look, like, yo, 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 do you know? Do you know somebody that worked on the movie that told you this?" I'm like, "No." Just watch that happen. Yeah. I perfectly I, called it because, like, when he shrunk into the quantum realm at the end of Ant Man, when Scout damaged his suit because it was damaged, his head was bigger than his body. Kang found him and tur- and turned him into Modok, which also I could have gone without seeing his ass. I'm gonna be honest. Oh God. Gone without seeing that, but yeah, so he is back. Like the CGI, yeah, I will agree, it did look a little weird, but in the end, like Modok is an ugly looking character, even in the comics, he has like a big head. Like, he's meant like the I don't think I've ever seen of other than the Avengers game, I don't think I've ever seen a version of Modok that wasn't take that wasn't taken seriously. Modok has always been like a joke of a character, mm-hmm. always been a character that's there to just be funny. There's like it's a four foot wide head. It's gonna look ugly. It's gonna look weird. Like they were like squish. They had to squish Corey Stoll's face. They had to enlarge it and squish it to Modok. Also, yeah, were with him being it that the metal face that we were seeing was a helmet. So that was I was mm-hmm. kind of glad. But also, um, but but it wasn't just uh, Corey Stoll appearing in Quantum Man. We also have an appearance from Ghostbusters star bill murray inheriting the role of lord krylar and i guess and we'll keep this part about him short i will say murray's got enough time to you know but i think they yeah, wait to be honest time. I, I think he got i think he got the short end of the stick in the in this movie yeah i mean i wish they could have done more with him i agree like 
Lord Krylar, that was such an interesting character. They could have said like he was like a, a mafia boss or something down there. They could have tied that in to some to some stuff with Kang or, or something. Like there was more they could have done with him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they just wasted it. Like I or in the sense of how much they were hyping up Bill Murray in the movie, I feel like it would have been better if they just didn't say anything and let it be a surprise cameo. That would have been cool. Like, don't say anything mm-hmm. about him being in the movie. And I guarantee the reception would have been a little better. Because they barely used him. And honestly, like, Krylar was, was an interesting character. And it, ha- and, it, and it had been speculated that he and Janet had a fling when she was in the quantum realm, which... And they did. I, I don't think Hank Pym wasn't going to... I don't think Hank Pym took that for granted. Well, then again, he also dated other people as well, as we know, because... Yeah, that's, that makes sense. I mean, like, he thought she was dead. Yeah, yeah, we also get to meet Quaz, played by William Jackson Harper. Oh, uh, yes. I like this We character. also meet Katie O'Brien as... We also meet Katie O'Brien as Gentora. Even, Gentora, even thank David Dasmalchian, who... Yeah, I was going to say. We even have David Dasmalchian, who played... Who played Kurt in the first two Ant-Man films. He plays a different role in the third installment. Yes. He is I don't remember the character's name, just the guy with the the you know I'm gonna look up what his name was. But basically yeah, his name is Veb. What? His name is Veb. Veb, he's a, okay. He's like a big purpley guy who dude. in order to for humans to understand everybody in the in the quantum, you have to drink some of his ooze. Like drink the ooze. And then, of course, the whole thing about holes. The whole joke with that when you get shot, like, I have holes. I'm like, okay, yeah. Jello man. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was very weird. Or the fact that when Quasar said, said, said Scott Lang, Lang has five, has seven holes, that actually made me count the male anatomy for a second to realize, wait, was that correct? Yeah, it is correct. Okay, we're gonna move forward because this is gonna get very weird. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So, let's, let's just not say we did. Yeah. Kang. Let's get to Kang. Anyways, moving on. Let's get back to the story yes. of Kang. So, Jonathan Scott, Majors himself. Kang. The con- they don't even say his name. They just call him the Conqueror. So then Scott and Cassie, well, they get found by Modok. Everybody's he's saying like you and I, saying like, it's been at this a long time, you and I, or something like that. Like this evil villain monologue. And Scott's like, wait, Darren? Modok, mechanical organisms designed only for killing, and the helmet comes up. Which also, I hope the merchandise for Modok for this movie really u- utilizes the helmet coming on and off. I really hope they do that. Because the only merch I've seen is just the helmet on, at least the, just the Funko Pop. So I hope they do something where the helmet can come off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on the on the other front, uh, Jonathan Majors, like I said from before, he was amazing as Kang. Oh, I agree. After, after playing, he remains in Loki. I, I liked how I liked how he decided to, to shift personalities between uh between the variants that we've been seeing recently. Oh, I agree because we know because this is the end credits because like you know he has because in this because so far we've seen him you know is he who remains the exiled Kang as I guess we can call this one Kang Exile who's exiled to the quantum realm by the Council of Kangs, <gasps> which yeah also, that like, I was not ready for. Like I heard a rumor for that, but then like. I didn't know how true it was, but damn, like we found out that yeah, Rama Tut, King Tut, Immortus. Oh yes. Which by the way, in the comics, Immortus' name is Nathaniel Richards. 
the descendants and of Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Fantastic and invisible woman. Wait, does that mean what I think it means, boys? Are we getting yeah. some setup for the Fantastic Four? Because I feel like it is. Possibly, it yes. Is. If they, but well, also they just called him a and Also, what's funny is uh, given, exactly yeah. But given the fact that we saw Rama Tut in the mid-credit scene, is it possible? And I mean possible that one of the Kang variants is going to be the villain in the Fantastic Four film. I would say one hundred percent. I think I've heard rumors about Galactus. I'm like, no, not Galactus. Be Kang. Let it be Kang. Kang mm -hmm. or. Either Kang, Super Scroll, or Mole Man. Because, like, in the Secret Wars comic, Owen Reese, a.k.a. Mole Man, is, is a huge part of it in the mm -hmm. way to defeat Doctor Doom. So, we'll see. But, yeah. Yeah, we got that. And then, of course, we also know by the uh, by the post credit scene, Victor Timely in the 19th oh, century. Yeah. Which also and also, and, and, we, and we even see Tom Hiddleston back as Loki and Owen Wilson coming back as Mobius. For the post credit scene, which, our whole theater screen that's going to lead into Loki season two. Which I was is not be expecting on that. Plus. I was as soon as I saw yeah, Loki. I was oh, expecting those two to come back. I know the fact that Loki yeah. looks haunted, like he looks scared of Kang. Moses is like, "Are you sure this is him?" But Moses is like, "Are you sure this is him?" And he's like, "It's him." Like he seems scared of Kang. I never. I don't think we've ever yeah. seen that scared. I never yeah, expected I to see. You know what? I never expect to see other versions of Kang after that Kang in the quantum realm. Same. So, also, do you think yeah, he's dead? I don't know. Because when they we threw don't... the particles, I'd say, I'd say you don't see a, we didn't see a body. Because I feel like there is going to be like Kang Prime, I guess. Because we know Janet got powers from the quantum realm. You gotta also think, where were her powers? Yeah, but also dated over time. But of course, in the comics, Victor Timely is actually the prime variant of Kang the Conqueror. So, Ooh. but but here's the other thing. Here, mm -hmm. I actually have this theory going around in my head, and I've looked this up on the internet, Ooh, which kind of shares the same theory I have. So, what if, uh, given the fact that both Ant Man and the Wasp, they ended up beating Kang, blasting him into his own multiversal engine core, which has gone completely unstable, which also. In order to get, the, actually, no. Say your theory first, then we'll talk about that scene because you know what you don't want to talk about. Yeah. So basically, when Kang gets sucked into the multiversal engine core, which kind of pulled him into oblivion, and and given the fact that uh that that the Council of Kangs presumed him dead, what if he wasn't? There's, I agree. I don't think he's dead. Yeah, because because now I'm just thinking, what if he now the exiled Kang? What if he? gets sucked into a time vortex and escaped and becomes Victor Timely. Ooh. That would be cray cray. That'd be that'd be pretty Oh cool. yeah. Or maybe he became that cybernetic Kang that we also saw talking with Ramata and Immortus. Although why do I get the feeling that 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 the cybernetic version of Kang is uh, is probably the Scarlet Centurion? Ooh, I didn't think of that. I mean that I mean that could be true because if you think about it, I mean there's a couple Kang variants that we know of, like Ramatut, Immortus, Scarlet Centurion, Mr. Griffin, Iron Lad, you know. Yeah, I have a feeling which may end up being Riri, Ironheart. Hmm. I mean, but I guess one thing I was talking about, when they have to get the multiversal engine core, 
like also the scene they had to go Scott had to go into a probability storm basically every choice you make in that moment happening at once that was insane just all the Ant-Mans all the versions of Paul Rudd and then all the wafts that were going on Although, that, although that one of the insane. funny scenes that, that I liked from that scene was where uh, was where Paul Rudd was still wearing uh, the basket robin he wore at Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins always finds out, man. Jack, the Baskin Robbins employee, as he went by. Yeah, yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah, and then also a lot of people comment criticize that for a movie called Ant Man and the Wasp, we didn't focus much on Hope. Well, technically, we did focus on Janet a lot. Janet was the wasp, so technically we did focus on a wasp, but they just never specified which one. Because the Ant Man the mm-hmm. Wasp focused on were was Scott Lang and and Janet Van Dyne. So mm-hmm. that was the Ant Man and the Wasp we focused on. Yes, so yes, so now it's also like the fight that final battle too. At I forgot what the name of the city was, but I know it wasn't Chronopolis. He's like, I'm taking my empire with me. Like. Okay, but then towards the end, he's like, "Yeah, no, screw it. I just got to get out of here." Mm-hmm. And especially, I really loved uh, what I loved is the final fight between uh, between Ant Man and Kang, because because Kang was going to escape, but then Ant Man was like, "Nope." It was like we both had to. It was like honestly, like look at how quickly too that he was moving when he was just fighting hand to hand. Like he had so many interesting powers as, as that he used throughout the movie that he was wiping people out left and right. And the fact that like he was just like punching Scott, like he could have killed him right then and there. I legit thought he was gonna Scott was gonna die. Me too. Yeah, but that's then, what I was thinking. I mean, but then Hope comes in, she like helps, and then they like blow up the engine core or like fill the qu- particles that shuts the portal down, which they're able to connect to Cassie's device, which also which also interesting enough, Modok was the one who pulled them in. Oh. Mm-hmm. The realm. Uh-huh. But then Cassie's then able to reopen the portal. Because for a moment, they make us think, oh, no, Scott and Hope are stuck in the quantum realm. Oh, no. But then the portal, Cassie reopens the portal and they are able to come home, which that's what I what I didn't like. I feel like there should have been a little more consequences with this ending. Besides, like, they are showing, yes, Scott definitely is a little haunted by this experience or definitely considering, wait, did we do, was defeating Kang the right thing to do? Yeah, I mean, I... I that that scene with Cassie, like uh, just reopening the portal to bring Scott and Hope back, I that is when, me, that, that was some that was some Deus Ex Machina kind of moment. That was stupid. I feel like I would have. Yeah, what which, I would have done which was kinda, which kind of brought which kind of brought it down uh, for me a little bit on that. That brought scene, it down, but, uh, honestly. The fact that there was like no yeah. real consequences. That what I would have done was and get, I'm legit. I'm legit like writing now a Young Avengers film. This for Marvel right now. This is essentially what this is now. I would have had it where either Scott would have died or kept it with Hope and and Scott defeating Kang, but they were stuck in the quantum room. Leave it where Cassie couldn't reopen the portal and then have it where then that goes on for her forming the Young Avengers to search for her father in the quantum realm. And that and then eventually they run into a Kang variant along the way. Because the Young Avengers fight a, a Kang variant in the comics. I'm legit writing a Young Avengers for you, Marvel, right now. Literally, you could have set up his Cassie forms the young Avengers in the comics when Scott dies. So mm. instead of having Scott die, you could have had, Oh, he's stuck in the quantum realm and your tech wasn't working to get him out. And you couldn't find him because everything that happened with Kang, that makes you think, okay, we have to look for him. That could have been the young Avengers. 
Either that or, or it could be a Disney Plus show. Also, Modoc. One thing like so he basically so Cassie grows and like punch sucker punches him in the face. Oof. And he has this whole thing with like like not want like dude, don't be a dick or something like that. And then Modoc immediately just turns on Kang. And they're like, I'm not my name is Darren and I'm not a dick. I thought that was a little ridiculous, I'm gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where and then like his death was kind of funny, like you and I are brothers. And, and he like put his hand on Scott's face, he's like, Yeah, sure. And you're like, Yeah, you're yeah, not die, but I die as an adventure. He goes, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And it's, yeah, sure. It's like even though like I just loved like Janet, not Janet. Sorry, I loved that Hope and Hank's reaction to to seeing him as Mark. Like Darren, what the hell happened? Yeah, also, the ants, the smart ants. I forgot we haven't even talked about this. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, ever since, uh, since the ants got sucked into the quantum realm, too, they actually became hyper-intelligent and rapidly involved. Well, that's actually something that Hank and Cassie were working on, but they got the ant farm got sucked in, too. So I guess, apparently, they got stuck in a time vortex and, was living, and lived a thousand years. Damn. And were able to super advance themselves. So I'm like, okay. That wasn't bad. But yeah, it's uh. But now I'm just thinking uh about those uh, about those two end credits for the for the first one. That is, that is, th- that, that was insane. Set up for Avengers: The Kang Dynasty right there. Oh, and Loki, and the second was was obviously Loki season two. Mm-hmm. Mm. But another thing I do want to note too, there's like when Cassie like grew because like I loved also the scenes of like Scott trying to teach Cassie how to use the suit, realizing okay, there's no getting around this. We're stuck in the quantum realm. She has a suit on now. And she's like, she's like with the whole, you got to do the momentum, bump, leap, and then you got to hit. Because I like, she wasn't the shrinking, growing, the punching. She wasn't nailing it. Like when she grew, I just love that. That when her and Scott reunited, like, oh my God, I feel like I want to eat everything. Yeah, I know, right? Somebody's been craving a lime. I know, it's got to be citrus. That just goes, I love that. That was a callback to Captain America Civil War when after Scott shrank back to normal size at the end. And he goes, does anybody have any orange slices? That's why, because he was craving citrus. Yeah. They may have explained that in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't remember. I really don't remember. Nah. Yeah, so... But, yeah, in the end, this was hands down the best Ant-Man movie. In my opinion. Yeah, that I agree with. Uh, I mean, it's it's not all perfect, but... It doesn't film. deserve, like, the rotten scores yeah. the critics are giving it. For the most part. So... I had fun watching it. It was it was a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean it really didn't deserve the thing. I mean... The the audience are giving it a better. Yeah, story. I mean, if if any, if, oh yeah, and if anything, if you, if you re- if you guys really want to know like what the status will be for the for the next set of films in the MCU, this one it this one is essential, like very essential. Yeah, uh, it one hundred percent is. Like, I feel like people Agreed. are criticizing even Phase Four for not being that essential. It's in the sense where we got to see where this goes because there probably will be payoff. Yeah, and uh, given the fact that uh, that Phase Five and Phase Six are doing a uh, are doing a little switch over with the whole quality over quantity thing, like uh, and for and given the fact that we've got some uh, some recent notes from Kevin Feige himself that uh, what was I gonna say he gave some updates on Blade, he gave some updates on Fantastic Four, which is going to be the pillar, like a big pillar for the MCU, oh, and especially the, yeah, with and with Spider Man Four though, or the, the writers are the writers are putting the pen to paper as we speak. 
Yep. Like we'll definitely <laughs> talk about like a little more about what's coming in a later episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the end, like also a lot of people thought that William Jackson Harper was gonna play Mr. Fantastic. But nope. No, he was wrong. So but but of course, uh getting off uh track for a little bit for just for a second. Yeah. And come Captain America New World Order, I'm actually excited to see Harrison Ford play uh play Thunderbolt Ross. Same. I'm also more excited, I think, to see him do interviews for that, because a lot of times in interviews, Harrison Ford has no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> oh, geez, I can only imagine. Like, I think he was asked in an interview <laughs> when it was confirmed he was playing Ross. Yo, you're like, what's your favorite Avenger or something like that? And he goes, I don't care. I don't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> that just goes to show. So anyways. Um, yeah, we're getting off the rails here. Yeah, as I said, getting back on the rails, uh, why don't we give our final ratings for Quantumania? Uh, Zach, okay. Six. Zach, you go first. Six. Really? Yes, really? Six. What? Uh-huh. Okay, then. Tommy, what say you? I give it a 7 out of 10. I feel like it wasn't, like, there were issues I had with the movie. It had its issues, like like the overhyping of Bill Murray and not using Krylar that much. Modoc, I felt like his motive for turning on Kang for not for just not wanting to be a dick was dumb. The ending could have been much better, could have been different. It was a little too convenient towards the end. And the the post credit scenes was what showed the consequences in the sense where I feel like the movie should have had a dark ending. But it, it's still a fun movie. It's essential. Kang is is a show stealer. So it's not as bad as people are saying. The audience scores are correct in giving it like an 80%. I give it like a 7 out of 10. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, as for me, I'm giving it an eight out of ten because I love I love the I loved how the I love the music for it and the CGI was was a little mixed, but but I do love uh, Jonathan Majors' portrayal of Kang, which really which really gives it a really big boost for me. And also the two end credit scenes kind of cemented that for me. Which oh, especially he's like a great actor, Jonathan Majors. He played so many characters in that end credit scene. So yeah, many I mean, different John- hands. And I will admit this: if Jonathan Majors wasn't in it. I'd probably give it a five out of ten. Oh, I agree, one hundred percent. If this was like them just being stuck in the quantum room and Modok was just the villain, then one hundred percent, yeah, it, Kang is what made this movie. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like Kang Paul Rudd too. Everybody else in this movie was great. Also, do you think they filmed it on a soundstage like the Mandalorian did for the quantum realm? I mean, because they, I, I don't know. Like, I guess when they do like the behind the scenes stuff, like I guess we'll see. Hmm. And uh, with that, I I think I think that kind of wraps it up. So uh, so thank you all for uh, for watching thank you all our for spoiler review for Ant Man and the Lost Quantumania. Tommy, follow us on follow us, us on Spotify. Thank you all for listening for joining us today. Okay. Obviously, Quantumania was a good a good run. It's nice to do a review again. So Phase Five is officially a go. And like, thank you. Follow us on Spotify. Bye, and also follow us on Instagram. We're looking to branch out to other podcasting platforms but right now we're just got just going to be spotify until then thank you for joining us and we will catch you on another side of the multiverse ciao ciao later bye